Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. My name is Corey Lofi. I'm one of your hosts hanging out this evening with Joe Aiken. Joe, happy new year. How are you? It's weird. It is happy new year. Um, you know, I'm doing good. Every day getting better, feeling stronger. Um, you know what? Today was a good day. I actually, um, I dug out my biggest chainsaw and did some work for Michigan Department of Natural Resources. So, you know, it's not very often in year my day-to-day where we get to actually go back to our grassroots. So um, that saw is big and heavy, and I think I might have pulled something on my lower back, but I'm not going to tell anybody because you know what? It felt good. So a good start to a new year, and uh, I'm excited. I'm, you know, we, we made some, uh, we're not, what do we call it? We didn't call them New Year's resolutions. We called them New Year's. Um, goals goals so i'm ready to start on my new new year's goals of being happy positive and be involved in uh, carol what was yours be present that's so it i'm going to be present, present be positive and uh, i'm going to enjoy our podcast and i'm going to enjoy our guest tonight so Corey, why don't you uh fill us in on who's coming on tonight Absolutely. So our very first guest of the new year, I thought it'd be really cool if we brought on one of our friends who's been a supporter of the, of the show for, for since our inception, really. But he's also been in the industry for a lot longer than that. So without any further ado, uh, welcome to the podcast, Chad Delzell. How are you? I'm wonderful tonight, guys. Uh, thank you for having me on. Happy New Year to you. And uh, I agree. There, there are definitely more goals than they are resolutions. I, uh, I'm not a, a constitutionalist. I don't do resolutions. I aim for goals. I'm an arborist. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what came up uh, on our last recording is that uh, resolution seems antiquated and easy to break. And I think, Corey, when we talked about goals, it, it, the biggest thing that I think I resonate with me, Corey, when you talk that is making sure they're achievable or um, what was it, what were you saying? Achievable or measurable. Right. Yeah. So awesome, Chad. Well, Chad, Chad Delzell, welcome to the podcast. Please tell us a little bit about you and your history in urban forestry thus far. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I used to be a ginger. There's a little more salt and pepper in that nowadays. It's hard to tell. Um, I started... In the industry under uh, tutelage of Chris Nasca at the Plant Healthcare Department of Arbor Guard, tree specialist in 1998. Uh, I answered, I got that job when I answered an ad in a newspaper. That's how long ago that was. Um, started work a uh, few weeks. He got a hold of my application and said, oh, wait, you can do math. You, you, you can do pumps and, and math and formulas. He said, you're, you're doing this job. Stop hauling brush. So it was a few years later, so I got back into hauling brush. But uh, started in 1998. I, I worked in the private sector up until oh, 2019 um, in almost every facet from branch manager on, on the, at the, the lower end of the ladder, uh, finally getting up into some trees, uh, burning, shearing, planting. Uh, my forte and passion has always been plant health care, though. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot more of a joy for me to keep a tree alive 
than to to take it down. No, I love that. And, you know what, Corey and I have spoke in a previous podcast about being a well-rounded arborist. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you've done it all. You know, you've went from dragging the brush to climbing and having, you sound a lot like me 35 years ago. Um, I did the same thing. I, I, I truly am more plant healthcare based also now that I'm decrepit and old. I did do some penance as a salesman for a few years. Uh, I had some good tutelage there. It helped me with, with uh, understanding clients and understanding the goals of, of arbor culture for clients uh, and how to, to communicate that. Um, did a, a couple years as a, a manager of department. Uh, so, so got in some admin, uh, you know, this Friday morning meetings when you're, you're talking about numbers that maybe 28.4 and 28.8 is all the difference between a good meeting and a bad meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no, my, my true love is, is, is putting, putting a leaf in my hand, putting a rope in my hand, uh, squeezing the trigger, putting out a product properly timed and, and just knowing what's going to happen. My, my mantra of my, my career has always been and always will be know that you know that you know. I got to know what I'm doing. I got to know why I'm doing it. And I got to know what's going to happen if I do it right or wrong. And always learn more that you don't know. Oh, the, the more I've learned, the more I've realized how, how, how much more I still have to learn. The, well, uh, well said. The BCMA test really helped me hone in on how much I did not know. Yeah. Are you BCMA, Chad? No, I, I, uh, I took it twice. Uh, I'm a little gun shy to take it the third time. That's okay. Uh, yeah, you know what? I um, and that's okay. Chad, we we didn't. You bumped right into. Where are you calling from? Where are you at? Where? What part of the world are you saving trees at? I am uh, in uh, Denver proper, Denver, Colorado, uh, okay. in the Rocky Mountain region here. Uh, regrettably, we made the news last week with a tragedy of an uh, urban fire. Uh, in our suburbs, but uh, I I am a, a steward for the trees in the urban environment. They 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 seem to need a, a little bit more love out here in our semi-arid, high alpine desert climate uh, than other places. But that also allows me uh, the opportunity to not have to deal with some diseases. You know, you guys have to deal with armillaria and hypoxylin. I haven't seen a case of that in almost 20 years out here. Well, when's the last time you went to a doctor, Chad? Um, no, that's, those are, those are, those are really good points. And I, I, I know we could poke fun like that. <laughs> Chad and I have that kind of relationship, but as, as you're talking about your career, you talked about doing about 20 years or so on the private sector, on the commercial side of things. But recently yeah. in your life, a couple of years ago, I believe, you pivoted more to a municipal uh, standpoint and a municipal way of managing trees. How, what, are the, what are the major differences that you see between how you manage trees commercially versus for a municipality? I think first, first to address the commercial or... or private sector market, you really have to understand what the end goals are of the task you're being asked to do. So many times, it's not just an estimate 
for pruning. It's, it's not just that branch. It's not just that pesky insect or that symptom of, of that insect as, as sooty mold on the patio or, or honeydew on the, on the car windows from, from your pine aphids. You know, it's, it's not just those things. So you really have to, to understand commercially in the residential market, what, what's the goal of the steward of the tree? What, in their management as the homeowner, what, are, what do they want? And, and sometimes you're able to educate them and, and really get into a great conversation and, and do some long-term planning. More often than not, however, you might not see that tree again in four to five years. They might go with a different firm. Your firm might have been sold to a larger firm. Uh, you might not be at that firm again in five years. You might be in a different role at that firm. Uh, so you, you really get one chance. I think in, in the private sector to make that first impression, to make that relationship. And, and you may not see that person very often. You know, you might see them every two or three years if you're having to do repetitive injections to keep their ash tree alive. But even then, maybe in two years, you're not the one doing the work. Somebody else you've trained is doing the work and now you're running the department or maybe now you're doing sales. So you don't get to touch the trees the same in the, in the residential and commercial market. That's that's one thing I, I really note. And the, the management of, of the trees in the municipal is really a longer game. Hmm. It's it's you know you're not you're not treating with permethrin or, or bifenthrin or or you know dormant oils just for aphids or or things like that. You are going to use a uh, uh, aggressive IPM focus where you can that the budget allows, but before you even get to using possibly uh, chemical controls or things like that, you're going to have to use mechanical controls, environmental controls. By that, I mean, you're going to have to to not have the, the monoculture plantings where the insects can take hold. So you, you need to, in the municipal area, start to really think about all right, I only want part 10 or maybe 12% of my urban forest to be this, and I want them spread out. I, I want a variety of trees in this park so there isn't one common issue that can wreak havoc. Sure. So I, I, I really have seen a, a difference in my approach is, is no longer the individual tree, but the work is done on a tree-by-tree -tree basis for the entity of itself. Mm. I, um, I want to add in one thing. You know, it's a great point, Chad, about the municipal. It's obviously it's a different. Um, actually, today I was visiting one of my large tree care companies in Southeast Michigan, and we were talking about some of these, uh, a couple of high-end municipalities. And what came up is that he got a call. Um, the city arborist at the time that I knew the city arborist too, they they had an investment in the urban forester in that municipality. He retires. The city manager that had his back retired. They have a new city manager in there. So it goes to politics and budgets. He cut $200,000 worth of plant health care that this tree care company had within the last, just before the holidays. Ouch. Yeah. So they're great when you got them and they're great when they're on board and it's great when they appreciate the trees. But I think in a municipal setting, um, that uh that whole situation comes and goes way too easy 
It, it, it really does. It's, it's definitely a difficult management practice when you never have more leadership. It ebbs and flows as, as public administration does. Um, and, and that, that is, that is a concern sometimes. I, I will tie this in, however, with the one of the blessings uh, working for um, the city and county of Denver, my, my employer, uh, as a municipality, I think we are, I, I don't, I don't want to come off saying this incorrectly, but there was another event that happened in the last 15 years in our state that had a large influx of tax revenue that has allowed our city to make maybe easier choices instead of harder choices on how to use our fiscal opportunities. That's fantastic. The, the green, the green revolution that, that was voted in by the voters in, in the late aughts, not only, you know, to whatever your vote was, uh, allowed that personal freedom. If, if that was what you chose to, what it allowed for the city of Denver to do though, was to not be as fiscally, um, constrained uptight. Yeah. You know, I don't know how else to say it. We we have options because we have a larger tax base uh, in, in that. And that that can be difficult, I understand, for some aspects, but it allows us the opportunity where someone's not going to cut two hundred thousand dollars out of a contract for our plan health care. Well, that's 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 pretty amazing. I wish more states would do that because you're right. There's emergency funds. There's operating funds. Uh, and I know a lot of cities that I've worked with over the last 20 years, um, they had the money, but it had to be cat, a catastrophic incident before they could draw from it. So yeah. opening up that to, to, to really truly manage um, the city is phenomenal. And one, one of my, I, I have former friends and colleagues and, and even coworkers from the municipal aspect that are now in other municipalities. And when we catch up, they, they do tell me, you, you guys have it really good in Denver. Don't, don't, don't take that lightly, you know? Uh, and I, and I don't, I, I'm grateful. Uh, I, I vote, I vote for my increase in taxes as, as I believe they're used uh, responsibly. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, and Jed, Jed, you know, obviously we've had a million conversations about, about different plant healthcare, IPM approach, things like that. But some, something you, you had kind of brought up, or at least we're alluding to, is that when you're working for a municipality, it would occur to me that there's, there's a greater plan. So you, you, have, you, have, a, you have a budget, but, but more importantly, you have a five-year or a 10-year or whatever the year plan is for the trees versus a homeowner's oftentimes just season to season. So when you, when yeah. you, have, when you have such a, a, long, uh, a long drawn-out plan for these trees... What, what's the end goal? Is it, is it diversity? Is it age class, species? What, what, what do you think? You know, it's all of those things, frankly. It really is. I mean, we're, we're learning the detriments of, of not having biodiversity with, um, you know, our issues in, in the ash, with uh, looking back in history to, to the Dutch elm disease of American elms, uh, even before looking back to chestnut flight and how we all romanticize the beautiful American chestnuts that I've only seen in black and white photos. 
Mm. I've, I've never seen a, a, a true specimen of a mature American chestnut. Mm. I've seen some four and five inch ones in the woods in Virginia, and then they get, they get light and they die off by the time they're eight inches. But I, you know, we, we, the biodiversity is, is definitely the issue. The long term, um, you, you want to have, you want to maintain the age and the elder canopy that you have because they are such a resource for all of those benefits and matrices that we like to take to the discussion table. We want to talk about how trees clean air, how the, the water, uh, soil and roots and, and how that works for, uh, holding soil erosion back, how that works for water purification, how that works for soil erosion through uh, leaf cover, canopy cover of, of the city. Uh, we want to talk about the positive mental effects and studies that we have of, of communities that have trees versus communities that don't have trees. You know, all of these things that we know as arborists that we have read in Journal of Arbor Culture for the last 20 years, they're, they're really all tying together now. And the fascinating part is working for the city. It's a long game. Not, you know, my, my supervisor currently frequently tells me, Chad, this is a long game. There, there's no short game option. So when we, when we want to do that, I, you know, here in Denver, we have these beautiful parkways that stretch for miles of American elms. Mm. Uh, we, we did a project here uh, with our plant health care departments year before last. We, we treated 862 American elms. I had never been in a city on the East Coast that had 862 American elms in it. Wow. I, I can't think of one. Even in Atlanta, I only knew maybe 12. You know, so it's just this, the opportunity of that and, and the, the, the rich treasures that you have as a municipality in your, in your elder canopy and your age, aged canopy, the care of that is really important to keep for all yeah. those issues. I mean, the carbon sequestration, you, you, your, your 38 inch diameter trunk tree is sequestering more carbon than 38 one inch trees. You know, so that's, yeah, all those things come into play to, to keep that going and to keep that. But yes, as we do have a, a age out or a, a removal rotation to those, maybe they're older honey locusts and the thyro nectar we can't stop. The honey locust borer that, you know, goes hand in hand with that. Uh, maybe we go after Kentucky coffees. Maybe yes. we plant some of those. Maybe we do, you know, some of the uh, frontier elms, the pioneer elms. You know, we have these opportunities. Uh, and so I think that's a, a big part of it as well. Um, Chad, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously you're an opportunity, uh, you know, ISA, ISA Rocky Mountain Chapter, uh, Journal of Arbor Culture. It's interesting that um, Corey and I have spoken in the past on the value of being involved and the value of continued education. Um, how you do it? Are you part of? Uh, where, where's your involvement with ISA out there? Because you, you you're the Rocky Mountain chapter with Corey, right? I I am. Um, I was uh, president of the board in 2012, 2013. Editor of the newsletter 2008, 2009, 2010. 
uh, chair of the Tree Climbing Competition Committee from 2008 to current, except the years of 12 when I was president, 15 when my uh, wife uh, at the time had our son. Okay. I'm, I'm very much involved. I love it. Um, some 20 years ago, somebody took a gamble on me as a snot-nosed 21-year-old punk and said, if I'm going to teach you this, you're going to do it well or I quit teaching you. And, and somebody took a gamble and taught me this industry that I love, Joe. And, and I, I don't know that there's ever been. You know, the only time I didn't want to get up and go to work was was probably right before I had back surgery and it hurt to get out of bed. But it still wasn't my job that kept me from doing it. Mm. Uh, I, I love every day I get to go up and go to work. And it's a blessing. Uh, I wouldn't do it otherwise. Is my involvement with the ISA is is a deep foundation to my personality and my aspect as an arborist. Someone didn't give to me, I wouldn't have it, and it would be foolish and unwise of me to not give to others. It's um, it's it, it's addictive, and you're right. Um, I had the the very same experience um, as being shown because I did tree work obviously before I got into it professionally. And I had an arborist, uh, Steve Podgewith, I just talked to him yesterday, who started me in the tree care professionally 35 years ago. And he did the same thing. Back then, he was a DITS grad, was with Davey, started his own business. And when I hired in with him, I thought I was a pretty good tree guy. And it goes back to education. And he was one that showed me ISA way back then. So yeah. um, I'm a firm believer like you. It took somebody to, to light that fire. and. Um, it's one of those fires that we, we, Corey and I talk about it with other guests. And once it gets you, it's kind of a lifestyle. It's got you. It is. Uh, I, you know, I, I joke around that, uh, the week of competition, though stressful sometimes that's the week that makes, uh, the other 51 weeks worth it. You know, <laughs> I'm hanging out with, with my brothers and sisters in the canopies. We got 40 to 55 competitors. We got, 60 to 70 volunteers and staff. I mean, I, I'm blown away by it every time I learn a new trick. I learn a new piece of equipment every year. And I've been in this for 22 years. I can't, I don't even know how to say thank you for that. You know? Yeah. One of these days we'll have to have a beverage and I'll teach you. I'll tell you the story when Kevin and I, Kevin Bingham and I uh, started messing around with a craftsman uh, wrench on a rope when he developed a rope wrench. Yeah. But yeah. um, I'm the I, I Michigan mean, Tree Climbing Chair uh, Committee leader right now. So I'm chairing the Michigan Climbing Chair. Wonderful. Wonderful. I have a few friends out that way uh, that, uh, that show up every year out there. Uh, yeah. One of them that's involved with you used to work out here in a, a private firm uh, with me uh, back James, about 10 years ago. James, James Redcliffe. Yep. Yeah, he's a yeah. good, good man. Yep. He's working for um, a good friend of mine, Corey Parshall, right now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, it, it, what's amazing to me is some of the people I've had to work with, I didn't know it when I was a a, a, a bit of a, I, I talked back a lot as a groundie. And uh, Philip Kelly made me chip all the brush by myself while he sat there in the curb. Uh, I talked back a lot to Warren, to Warren Wilson or, or Warren uh, Williams. And, and he let me do all of the hand pruning overreaching in the ficus and the interior escape pruning that we used to do in the thunderstorms in Atlanta. I can't believe it. Some of these guys I took for granted as a 22, 20 year old 
you know, back in that day now are, are leaders in my industry. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad that person like set me straight. Yeah, uh, you know what, Chad, you're, you're, you're right there now too. So I, I can't say I thanks had enough a, for you give back. I had a coworker get a promotion uh, two weeks ago to a supervisor position in our department. And I went over and shook his hand and said, I'm, I'm really happy for you. I am glad you're part of the leadership. And he said, you know, you helped teach me to climb 12 years ago. Wow. I thought I did, didn't I? Oh, my. That's awesome. Hey, hey let me know uh, yeah. what size shirt you wear. We, I got some extra Michigan Tree Climbing Championship uh, shirts. I'll send you one. I, I'm a large. I got I, it, brother. I, I wrote I got it down. Some, I got some Rocky Mountain chapter I can get in Corey's hands the next time you guys catch up. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, Chad, as we're, as we're bringing things to a close here, we've only got a couple minutes. You were just talking about some of those mentors and some of the role models that you had in this industry. And now knowing that, that you're in that position, you have been for a while, what advice or what suggestions would you like to impart upon other people in the industry at this time? You know, I think the best piece of advice that I, that I kind of feel is don't, don't give the wrong answer. If somebody asks you a question and you don't know, you say you don't know. Humbleness will only bring greatness. Mm. Uh, and, and, and knowing that you don't know everything, as, we, as, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, when, when you learn so much, now you realize how much you don't know. Uh, it's, it's that if you don't know, you, you just say, you know what, I'm not sure. I'll look that up for you because I want to know too now that, that now that I don't know. And I know I don't know it. So let me look it up. I'll, I'll call you back in 24 hours. That's the first piece. The second piece is, is do every job like you're doing it for your grandmother. Hmm. Every job desires your best effort. Every tree desires your best effort because everything we do as arborists has an effect. A wound, a pruning cut is a wound. A, a rope rubbing through a crotch is a wound. A, a injection is a wound. Everything we do to try to help save trees does have an impact on this living organism. So yeah. make every effort your best effort. Treat it like you would your trees at your grandmother's house. You might not be there for five years. You might not get back in that tree. If you're going to leave a mark on it, shouldn't it be the best mark you could leave? Yes. You should never know that it was pruned. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good pruning is a client comes out and goes, well, it doesn't look any different, even though there's an eight-foot-high pile of brush across the backyard. Yeah, the tree should look the same. But you, it's just this effort that if you're going to if you're gonna put a hole in a tree for an injection, make sure you get the, make sure you get the juice in there. Get the ingredient in there. You didn't just make a hole for no reason, right? So it's like this this thing that I would say is private sector, municipal sector, it doesn't matter. State, government. I was in the National Mall uh, last week or week before last when I was in D.C. for Christmas visiting family, looking at the elms uh, up and down the National Mall and, and all the cabling they've got there. Oh, my God. They've, they've got... 18 wires in one or two of these trees. I can't believe how much cabling through these things. But those trees are standing. They're loved. They deal with 
tough conditions of people walking on them every day, 365 days a year. They have rallies where thousands of people stand on them for 10 hours a day. They don't get a grow gun. They don't get vertical aeration, but they're loved and they're taken care of. And, and I, would, I would say treat every tree like it's your grandmother's tree. Take care of it the right way. That's awesome, Chetto. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. You've helped me personally. You've helped the podcast. Uh, and I know you've, you've helped hundreds and, and hundreds of other people out there. So a sincere uh, moment of great gratefulness, gratitude, thankfulness from us here at the podcast. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, guys. It was truly a pleasure. Uh, and, and my New Year's goal is to be the best arborist I can be this year. Love it. Hey, great topic today. Yes, and lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.